You are now listening to The Row Pod, a Real Housewives recap. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Row Pod, a Real Housewives recap. Ooh, we have a lot to get into. We have a lot of things to cover. Kathy versus Rena. Ugh. The premiere of Salt Lake City. I'm going to be giving my report card on the Atlanta women for this season. But first, I want to get into a little tyrant or a tangent or a rant, whatever you want to call it. And I know what you're thinking, don't you rant on every episode, but okay, that's neither here nor there. We have to address the elephant in the room. Teresa was eliminated off Dancing with the Stars this week. It was the second week of the competition. Now, I said before this season of Dancing with the Stars even started, I knew that Teresa wasn't going to go far, okay? Just based off how voting is and who watches the show and, you know, who's on the show, I knew that Teresa wasn't going to win. But I figured, you know, we can at least get a couple of weeks in. And I guess a couple equals two. So, you know, I guess I guess we achieved that goal. But it kind of sucks because Teresa, I thought, did really well this week. There were still a lot of things that she could improve on. But I thought it was a better improvement than what it was the first week. And um, she said that she danced for her father. You know, her father was a big fan of Dancing with the Stars and they would watch Dancing with the Stars together. And she got very emotional. But I guess that emotion didn't do anything for you all because you all didn't vote for her. Um, How do we expect to get things done in this world if we don't vote? You have to vote. You mean to tell me that you all can go on your fan pages and you can regurgitate the same 10 or 15 opinions that we have on these housewives, but yet you can't take time out of your day to text Teresa to 21523 10 times? That's all you had to do. That's all you had to do. And you couldn't even do that. What are we doing? Are, are you all going on Shiba Sheree and buying $80 joggers? Are you, I mean, what are we doing? Are we going on Amazon and buying Rena Beauty and, you know, going to support Erica with pretty mess hair? And, you know, are we going to the set and concept, you know, her store? Are we, what are we doing? What are we doing on our free time? Even if you didn't, even if you don't have Disney Plus, you could have still texted Teresa to 21523 10 times. There was no excuse. Absolutely no excuse. She could have gotten a third week. She could have, but nevertheless, she's not. Um, and to me, there I don't really see a reason for me to watch Dancing with the Stars. I'm still going to watch it anyways. But you know, obviously, I'm not going to cover it here because Teresa's not on the show anymore. This week, we saw um, Teresa being supported by a lot of people, actually. You know, her daughters were there. Jennifer was there. And Daniela, I think is her name was there. Apparently she's going to be, she's a newbie. She's going to be one of the housewives. I don't know if she's going to be like a full-time housewife or if she's just going to be a friend of, but I know she's going to be on this next season of New Jersey. And you know, we love that. We love queen supporting queens. We love Jennifer Aiden over here at the row pod. And it's nice that, um, Teresa has, you know, real friends and people who love and support her that can, that can just be there for her. But I'm sure Melissa and Joey are having their Teresa has been eliminated from Dancing with the Stars party at her Envy store where they sell those fake Gucci bags, allegedly. 
And I'm sure she's kicking up her feet and giggling. <laughs> Melissa Gorga is so annoying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Any, any chance I get, I will clown Melissa Gorga because she's just so annoying. I'm going to just go ahead and let y'all know right now. I can't stand her. I cannot stand her. So when this season of New Jersey comes on and I'm hard on her and I, and I get on her every single time she does something, do not be surprised. But also do not expect me to just blindly support Teresa as well because Teresa does things that I'm like, really girl? If any other housewife would have behaved the way that Teresa behaves sometimes, you all would be jumping and you know, you all would drag her. You would drag her on Twitter, okay? L let's be honest here. Teresa throwing a drink at Margaret. Now you know if any of the housewives, any other housewife would have done that. In particular, women from Potomac. And I don't have to say her name because you all already know where I'm going with this. You know, if she would have done it, y'all would be. I, I don't even have to finish it. I don't even have to finish my thought. Y'all already, if you know, you know. And if you don't watch Potomac, then you'll know what I'm, where I'm going with this. But because it's Teresa... We all love it. And we're like, yes, girl. Yeah, you know. And now I love Teresa, but I'm not like a diehard Teresa stand. Like, oh, I'm going to defend her on anything that she does. No, I'm I'm realistic and I'm reasonable. There are some things that Teresa does that I'm like, really, girl? Do I think she's delusional sometimes? Absolutely. But when it comes to her problems with Melissa, I'm always going to be on Team Teresa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cannot wait for New Jersey to come back, actually. To see what really happened. What really happened between Melissa and Teresa? Was it really, is it really that big of a deal? Was Melissa cheating on Joey with, you know what I heard? And, um, and I bet you this is a rumor. So I'm going to say allegedly, because I don't know if it's true or not. How would I know if it's true or not? Did Melissa really cheat on Joey with the bailiff that's on divorce court? His name is Nick. Not me. My name is Nick too, but it's not me. But you know what I mean? Because that's hilarious. That is so, that is, that's so funny. If it's true. The bailiff from divorce court. Melissa and Joey go on divorce court. And at the end of the episode, Melissa just goes with Nick. Iconic. Legendary. I would what? Highest rated episode since Rolling Gray was on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I say all this to say that the next time a housewife goes on Dancing with the Stars... She's not going to have a good record, but we can at least vote for her. If millions of people, if all of us can sit here and watch these women for one hour every week, we can text her name 10 times to a phone number, okay? You don't, you don't have to leave your house to do it. I mean, like, it's not like we're voting at the polls, although you should vote when election day comes. You know, not, not to get too political because, you know, it's not that kind of podcast, but, you know, when it's time to vote, you vote. When it's time to vote... You vote. Okay, so let me give out my progress report, my report card for the Real Housewives of Atlanta season 14. I have some notes that I will be going over for each lady, for each woman. And by the way, part three, the last part of the reunion came on Sunday and I feel like there's a general consensus that this reunion just wasn't it. Like, just like I felt this entire season, I feel like there's something missing. I don't particularly... It's not that 
oh, I don't want this woman to come back to the show. I think actually that all the women on the show are great for it. However, there's still something missing. I don't know what that is, but we need to figure it out what it is immediately because there was no need for a three-part reunion. I'm sorry. There's, there wasn't that much that happened this season that warranted a three-part reunion. It should have gone the Orange County treatment and just got two parts. I mean, if we're being honest. So let me just go ahead and get started with this report card. So I'm going to break down the rules again, like I did with Dubai, because I think it's fair. I like being consistent and I like being fair. I will be using the typical grading scale A, B, C, D, or F. That's rule number one. Rule number two, I'm basing these gradings based off of performance, storyline, you know, what they bring to the show, what they actually bring and contribute to the show. This isn't, I'm trying to not be biased, meaning that I don't want to base it off likability. Because if I just base this off likability, the grades would be completely different. And you could tell, I would either go, I would either go with A or F. I either love you or I hate you. You know what I mean? Well, not hate because I don't hate, but you know, maybe not like, but it's not based on likability. However, if you are likable, you're more accessible and more people like you. You, you and more people can relate to you. You know what I mean? But I try not to base it just off that. I base it off performance, storyline, what they give, what they contribute to the show. I think that's fair. If you don't think it's fair, you can create your own report card and do it yourself. Okay. Just saying. So in the order that I'm going in, I'm basing it off of the order that they are presented in the intro where they present their taglines. So the first woman that I'm going to be talking about is Candy. Now, I don't really have that many notes for Candy other than Marlo made her work this season. I think a criticism about Candy is that she's, a lot of people think that she's just been able to coast by. You know, she's just kind of been able to just be on the show without really doing much in terms of, you know, staying neutral. Candy has always been known to stay pretty neutral. It reminds me of her attitude from season seven. You know, I remember I just recently watched the season seven reunion and, you know, there was the click between Kenya, Cynthia, Claudia, and then there was a click between Portia and Nini and Phaedra. And then there was just Candy. You know, Candy was just kind of in the middle. She didn't, she wasn't team Kenya. She wasn't team Nini. She said she was team Candy. And I can respect that. You know, I like it when there's a housewife that's like, you know what, I'm going to believe whatever I want to believe. And just because I'm friends with this person doesn't mean that I can't be friends with that person. I can respect that. However, being neutral can only take you so far. And I feel like there has to come a point where you kind of have to choose. Not definitively, but you kind of have to bring something to the table. And Marlo, the way that Marlo has picked on Candy this season, it made Candy activate. It made Candy work for her peach. So I will give Marlo that. Candy gave us, bitch, I'm worldwide. That quote. What else did she give us? You know what I mean? Like, I have to be honest. And I like Candy. I really do like Candy. But maybe it's because she was filming Candy and the gang. So it's like, okay, she put all of her energy into that show. So when it came to Real Housewives of Atlanta, it was kind of, it just kind of fell flat to me. It did. I'm not going to lie. She's more activated on Speak On It, her after show. Speak On It. She's more activated on there. But when it comes to 
this season, I, like, there wasn't much to work with. There really wasn't. You know, she had the storyline about how Todd had the New Jersey condo that he used to share with his ex and her talking about her finances and what will happen to her children and her family if she passes away, you know, which were kind of covered at the beginning and then the season finale to wrap it up. But other than that, I mean, she didn't, I, I don't feel like she really brought anything. And I kind of think that Marlo helped her a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So for that, I hate to say it, I'm going to give Candy a C. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That might be controversial, but you know what? I feel like this whole report card's going to be controversial. And like, you all aren't going to agree with me. And that's fine. We're all entitled to our own opinions, even if it's wrong. Just kidding. But that's how I feel. Sorry. That's how I feel. Moving on. Drew. When Drew's tagline was, I keep you on the edges of your seat. I thought, boring. That was a boring tagline. I still think it's a boring tagline. I keep you on the edges of your seat. I thought she was going to be boring this season. I was like, okay, I'm already checked out. I'm already done. I've clocked out. I'm going home. I don't need to be here anymore. But then Drew became a target for these women You know, first with her relationship with Ralph and her marriage, her marital issues and how Ralph gaslights her every chance that he gets. Having to navigate that on camera in those intense scenes, especially that dinner, I felt for Drew. I really did. You know, and the women certainly didn't hold back. Although I will say like when Kenya stood up to Ralph, I was like, yes, Kenya, yes. When she did the Drop It With Drew program, And everyone clowned her. Everyone clowned her for doing a workout program because it's like, oh, you got got your body done. You got work done. Why would you have a workout program? Does it really work? Did you? And I will say she did say that she lost 25 pounds and although she only lost 10 pounds that in the same time frame, it was funny. Okay, it was. But these women were just clowning her pretty much for no reason. Pretty much for absolutely no reason. Then we go on to her feud with Sheree. When she was at the birthday party and she was getting in Sheree's face and her finger, I was like, oh, Drew, don't do it. Drew, don't do it. But she's working. She's activated. She's working for that peach. And I can appreciate that. Okay. Then there's the trip that Marlo put together that only lasted a day. And Fatoum, which is Sheree's friend, was there and drew through the dog bone at Fatoum. That's when I knew She is going to be back for a third season. She's going to be back for a third season. That was great. That was amazing. I was, I was all here for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was so funny. Every single time she saw Fatum, she started barking. Like, please. That is hilarious. Her feuding with Sheree because Sheree won't pay for anything. And Drew's always on her neck. Hey, um, aren't you going to help me pay for this for the birthday party? Hello. Her little feud with Sonya. And how Sonya is a flip-flopper, we'll get to that. Say what you want about Drew Sedora, but I will say this. Drew Sedora actually gave us a lot to work with this season. And if it wasn't for her, honestly, what would what would we have to talk about if it wasn't for Drew? Let's be honest. What would we have to talk about? Marlo? Which we'll get to her next. But Marlo can only do so much. And Drew can only do so much. And I will say she brought the most material to the show more than any other woman this season and for that again this is going to be a hot take this is going to be controversial i know it i'm going to give her an a 
I'm going to give Drew Sidor an A because she gave us the most material to work with. On a lackluster season, she gave us all of that. She gave us all of that. And I have to award that. I have to acknowledge that. So Drew, she gets an A from me. Next is Marlo. For her first season, Marlo did work for her peach. I will say that. She did at least have a storyline outside of the other women in regards to her nephews. Although she did receive a lot of backlash for how she did her nephews. Some people, you know, agree to disagree. Some people understood. Some people thought she was absolutely wrong for doing what she did. We can have that argument. My problem with Marlo is that when she picks fights, it seems like she's, like she's not natural with it. Like with some of these women, it comes across more natural, even if it's not that big of a deal. A great example of this is Kenya. Whenever Kenya gets into it with someone and it's not really that big of a deal, like she's able to sell it. Like she's able to, you're able to believe that Kenya actually has a problem with whoever it is. With Marlo, you just don't believe it. And to me, it kind of like, it's like she's giving a clown performance then. Like when, an example of this is when Marlo and Sheree and Candy were at that salon or at that spa or whatever. And Marlo's talking about, you know, I don't, think that Candy, you've been a really good friend. You haven't been reaching out to us. You haven't been reaching out to me or Sheree. I'm sorry, Marlo, but um, were you and Candy really ever friends like that? Why would you expect Candy to reach out to you because you're a peach holder now, because you're on the show? You've been on the show for all these seasons and you started on Candy all these seasons. Why would you expect all of a sudden for her to want to reach out to you? I just found that so weird and it just came across not authentic to me. I liked the moments where she's vulnerable. I liked the moments where she opened up at the reunion and she opened up to her mom, those scenes with her mom. I wish we saw more of that. But yeah, she just seems to exaggerate everything and it takes me out of it. Like it, like it makes me not want to see her on the screen. I like my housewives to be bold, but you don't have to be extra bold. You don't have to be bold, italicized, underlined, marked off or striked off. You know, you don't have to do any of that. Just show up and be bold. She was trying to bring, she was trying, but I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe, maybe another season of being a peach holder will help her. So for that, I'm going to give Marlo, I'll give Marlo a B because when she uses her words, she uses her words. She is activated. I will give her that. And she did give Candy something because other than that, Candy wouldn't have anything. Uh, I'm, I'm just being honest. And I like Candy. I really do. But let I have to be honest, as a viewer, Marlo helped Candy out a lot. Marlo made her work. So I will give Marlo a B. Next is Kenya Moore. I have grown to love Kenya Moore. I really have. And I think this season we saw more of a lighter side of Kenya. This is probably Kenya's most positive season, if I'm being honest. Um, she does get into it with Sonia. She does get into it with Marlo, but she works and she's funny. She's still funny. When she's drunk, she's hilarious. She made up the game at Brooklyn's birthday party with, you know, writing shade on a card and then reading it out loud. And someone said that Candy sucked, you know what, in the locker room. And, you know, the whole route is Ralph gay thing came out, which by the way, sidebar, can we stop using the rumor that someone's husband is gay? Like, can we stop that? Like, that is so, what's that Black Eyed Peas song? 
you're so 2000 and late or you know like that like that's that's literally like 2008 stuff like why are we using gay husband rumors that only works with Rena allegedly just saying just kidding I didn't say that um anyways back to Kenya I feel like doing Dancing with the Stars really helped open up a different side of Kenya that I really like I love her moments with Brooklyn especially the interview that came out that the producer was doing with Kenya and Brooklyn. I thought that was so cute. I think she's an amazing mother. And overall, she just seemed really happier this season. But when it was time to get to work, she worked. She did work. But I still feel like there's something missing from Kenya. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like something's still missing there. However, I feel, I feel like she has much more stronger personality on this show than I have to say even than Candy. And again, I like Candy. I feel like I'm just putting down Candy, but I really do like her, but Kenya brings more, in my opinion. So for that, I'm going to give Kenya a B. I think that's a fair grade. I think B is a fair grade. It's not low and it's, you know, she's not the best of the season. I, I'm gonna go ahead and say right now, I think Drew was the best of the season. She got an A. Kenya, I'm gonna give you a B. Next, Sheree. Sheree was brought back to the show because... A, Nini was no longer on there. and We were still suffering from the loss of that. Cynthia wasn't on there anymore and Portia wasn't on there anymore. So we had to bring back Sheree. And I'm not going to lie, when it was announced that Sheree was coming back, I was excited. I love Sheree. I think she's funny. I think she's hilarious. And I feel like people wanted to see her with Tyrone. Now, what did Tyrone look like? How was her relationship with Tyrone? And maybe... Or, you know, they they were going to bring up She by Sheree either, either way. I feel like people wanted her on there because we knew that we would want to see her with Tyrone. And we know that She by Sheree was going to be mentioned by some point, by some standard. We don't know. But we know those two things are going on in her life and we wanted to see it. We saw Tyrone once during the season finale, which although I will say... So happy that Sheree realized that Tyrone was nothing. In the words of Lizzo, it's about damn time. I'm so happy that Sheree was, woke up and was like, why am I with this man? Why am I with him? So there's that. We only see Tyrone in one episode. Really? Okay. I said in my notes that this season was a dead for her without her, see, without her feud with Drew. And the things that she would say about Candy as well. Like when Marlo was saying like, oh, Candy's always been a hoe. She's always been, you know, she's always slept around. And then Sheree's like, that's true. That's true. But then you were like nice and buddy buddy to her. and But then you wanted to be like, oh, why don't you check up on me, Candy? You were calling her a hoe in one scene. And then the next you're wondering why she doesn't check up on you. That doesn't make sense to me. And I really don't feel like, again, with Marlo. I said the same thing about Marlo. I don't feel like Sheree really had a problem with Candy. And to me, that comes off as you're not selling it for me. I'm not buying what you're selling. So like, I don't believe that you really have a problem with Candy. I believe that you need something going on and you need a storyline. And Drew gave you that. You should be lucky that Drew and her messy assistant was there to give you a storyline. Because other than that, the only thing that you brought is She by Sheree, which after 14 years, we finally got She by Sheree. Was it worth it? I guess we'll see when people start getting their orders. But really, I mean, Sheree's comeback really, it kind of fell flat for me. I'm not going to lie. I was with Sheree at the beginning, but then I just slowly started to just 
fade and slip away from her. So for that, I will give Sheree. I'm going to have to give Sheree a C. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate to do that to an OG too, but I, I have to give her a C. Last and certainly not least is Sonia. I said for Sonia that um, I liked her family life. I liked seeing her with all of her family members in one house. I love that she's Jamaican and proud of it. I love that. What I didn't like was her flip-flopping, especially with people like Drew. You know, she was kind of introduced on the show as being Drew's friend. And then whenever people started clowning her with the drop it with Drew nonsense and the whole nonsense between is Ralph gay between Drew and Sheree, Sonya was like, mm. Everyone else is clowning Drew and everyone is saying all these other things about Drew and making fun of Drew. So even though she's my friend and she was the one who introduced me into the show, I'm going to just not be your friend all of a sudden. Like it was a switch too. It was a switch. There was no real reason why Sonya turned against Drew. Absolutely no reason. Other than the women, were, the other women were clowning her. So it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm the new kid on the block and these students are seniors and I'm trying to be with the seniors and I'm trying to be, you know, on the right team. I'm trying to be with the popular team and the popular team is hating on Drew. So I'm just going to hate on Drew too. I'm just going to clown on Drew too for no reason. It's like, really? The Jamaica trip was a flop. I have to admit it. There's nothing that really happened in the Jamaica trip other than the bitch I'm worldwide and the last dinner that they had, which really wasn't anything. It was so anticlimactic. I enjoyed seeing Jamaica. I enjoyed the sightseeing. I enjoyed that part. But other than that, absolutely nothing. As a host of a cast trip, when it comes to cast trips on Housewives, it has to be strong. It does. Even if the cast trip is up the street, it's gotta, it's gotta do something. It's gotta do something. And I don't really have that much notes for Sonya because, uh, I, I, you know, I, what else did she bring to the show? Now, like I said, because it is her first season, I don't think I explained this in the rules either. I will not give anyone who is on the first season of their show, like for example, this is Sonya's first season. I'm not going to fail her because she probably has never done reality TV. She's probably never been on The Real Housewives or, you know, we know she's never been on The Real Housewives. So she doesn't know how all this really works. And I know people can say, oh, well, she can watch The Real Housewives and see, okay, well, watching the show and actually filming the show are two completely different things. Completely different. So I'm not gonna fail Sonya. And it's not necessarily that I don't like Sonya either because I, I don't mind Sonya. I think she's a perfect fit in this group, but she needs to not just follow blindly with people like Marlo because the minute Marlo goes against Sonya, it's gonna be bad for Sonya. And you know it's coming. You know Marlo and Sonya are eventually going to have a falling out and it's going to be ugly. And I guess we'll see that for season 15. So for Sonya, I'm going to give Sonya a C. Overall, I give this season of Atlanta a C. Need I say more? Do I have anything to say more? Because like, like I said last week, this is one of those seasons where if you're watching Atlanta, you can skip over this season. You will not miss much. I hate to say it, but it's true. This is not an essential season that you have to watch of Atlanta or of any of the housewives. There's no need for a three-part reunion. A lot of these episodes were just filler episodes. And I wrote in my notes that we need to find out what is missing before this turns into an Orange County or New York disaster. 
Orange County has tried to revamp so many times and it has failed. New York isn't even on anymore because the last season was so horrible. So they have to split it into two shows. And I don't even think they found all of the women that are going to be on both the original and the legacy show. Atlanta is the third oldest Real Housewives franchise. And we need to figure out what is missing before we get a revamp that's so bad that it ruins the show like it has ruined Orange County and like it has ruined New York. Andy, I know you're into baseball, okay? You have two strikes with Orange County New York. And if you screw up Atlanta, three strikes, you're out. You're done. You're done. Now, I heard that from B. Scott on her blog that all of the women are coming back, which I'm fine with that. I'm fine with all these women coming back. There's going to be a new woman. I think her name is Janelle Stephens or Stevens. I might have said that wrong. She's an entrepreneur. I think she has her own hair care line. So maybe her and Kenya will get into it, you know, with competing hair care lines. Who knows? And I've heard that they're going to start filming by the time this episode comes up. I think they're going to film tomorrow, Saturday, this coming Saturday, because apparently they're going to have a birthday party for Ross, Sonia's husband's birthday. They're going to have a party there and everyone's going to be there. And there are still rumors that Portia could be coming back. However, it's not been confirmed. Something tells me Portia is not going to come back. But who knows? Who knows? Anything can happen in Atlanta. Anything can happen on these shows. And, you know, there's been such a trend of bringing back older housewives instead of getting newer ones. So who knows? Maybe she will come back. And it'll be interesting to see the same old storyline between Portia and Kenya again. Aren't you excited for that? To see it again and again and again? That's the problem with Atlanta and that's the problem with these older franchises is that they repeat the same thing until everyone's tired and bored of it. So if that's what you all want, you all can gladly take it. But I don't think Portia is the only thing that we need to save this show. Just saying. Okay, let's get into Beverly Hills. Um, If you couldn't tell by the sound of my voice, I can't wait for the season finale next week. I'm so happy that the season finale is next week because let me tell you, you know, the problem with Beverly Hills, and this has always been the problem with Beverly Hills, it seems like, since the very beginning. They focus on one storyline, one central storyline, and that's all they do. And they beat it with a hammer. You know, they, they drill it in until it's like, until it's like flat. Portia at that dinner on Atlanta, your mouths have to be dry talking about the same thing. The fact that these past two seasons have been all about Erica. I can't do another season when it's all about Erica. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to have some of these women contribute a little more. But this week, however, it's not all about Erica. Instead, it's all about a friend of. Now, this whole Kathy breakdown in Aspen storyline, it's interesting, I will say that, because I feel like at the end of the day, we'll never know what exactly happened. It's all hearsay. It's all, it's all really up in the air. We will never know what exactly happened in Aspen. But I find it hilarious that there are eight housewives this season, which here's my thought about eight housewives. I don't like it. I do not like when there are eight housewives at once because there's always that one housewife that kind of just gets swept under the rug. Like no one, there's no scenes from her. There's no, there's nothing from her. And I'll get to who I think that person is. 
And I'll get to why I think it's completely wrong for that Bravo or whoever's editing the show that they're editing her scenes out. I'll get to that in a minute. But you know, there's always that one housewife that kind of just isn't in any of the episodes really. And that's why, you know, that's why I think six is a good number. Six or seven. Five, I think even five, you know, I'm going to be interested in how Salt Lake City does five, which we'll talk about Salt Lake City later. But, you know, Salt Lake City will only have five housewives this season. I'm very interested on how that's going to work. Because if all of the women, see, here's the thing. Here's the key. If we're going to have a big cast, like eight housewives on Beverly Hills, every single person has to contribute. The same way that if it's five housewives, every housewife has to do something. Every housewife has to contribute. When you go to a job, guess what? You show up and you do your job. This isn't anything, like, I, I, like, I don't think I'm saying anything that's outrageous. When you have a job, don't you show up and do your job? Like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? We'll get more on that later. But I just wanted to bring that up. That the fact that there are eight housewives and this episode was about what happened to a friend of. Which shows how much, or really how little, some of these women are bringing it. So, I think we start off the episode with Dorit. Dorit is talking to Kyle. Kyle is still in Georgia filming for Halloween Ends. And Dorit is talking about what happened at Crystal's birthday party. How Rena left early. And how they believe it's because of Kathy's behavior. And Kyle pretty much says that, um... Kathy said some awful things to her and that she doesn't want to get to a nasty place where she can't mend things with her sisters because she's been there before several times and we see the flashbacks throughout the years of how she's not talking to Kim at one point and then how she's not talking to Kathy at one point, you know. They just have such a interesting dynamic because it seems like all three of them are never like happy at once. It seems like There's never a time where all three of them are talking and getting along. Like, it's so weird. So we get that scene. And then the next scene is Erica has a therapy session with Dr. Jen. If you watched Couples Therapy and Family Therapy on VH1, that's the same woman that was the therapist on there. Love her. I love that show. I miss that show. So I was happy to see her back on my TV screen. And I'm not going to lie. Erica kind of won me over this season or kind of won me over this scene excuse me not this season (laughs) absolutely not this scene if only she was like this at the beginning when everything was happening you know what i mean if she was like this at the beginning when everything is happening yes people would still talk about her yes people would still accuse her of things yes people would be rude and nasty to her online but I don't think, I really don't think it would have been as bad. And I don't think these women, in particular Sutton, would, you know, kind of pick at her and go after her, which causes her to lash out. If only if she had this compassion and empathy, which is what the other women want Erica to have, if she showed this when all of this was happening last season, I feel like she wouldn't have the image that she has now. She wouldn't have the reputation that she has now. So we see her being very vulnerable in this scene, and I like it. I wish we saw more of this Erica. Because, oh, she's she's not just trying to be a villain. She's She's not just trying to be a bitch. You know, she's actually a person who has feelings, who feels things, okay? 
So we have that scene, then we move on to Erica having a party for the women and their hairstylists. Erica has a hairline that's called a Pretty Mess Hair. It looks like it's a line of like wigs and hair extensions, which is great. We love women-owned businesses, okay? We love that. All the ladies are there except for Kyle. I think Kyle's still in Georgia. And Kathy was supposed to show up, but she never did show up. And of course, the whole thing with Kathy and Aspen gets brought up again. And Dorit and Renna kind of have a conversation on their own about a call that Dorit got from Kathy. Pretty much apologizing for the way that she behaved to her and explaining what happened. And... Dorit actually speaking up. Oh, okay, Dorit. Finally, you clocked in. It only took you, what, 21, 22 episodes, but we're finally here. You know, telling Renna, this isn't all about you. And then, you know, Renna was like, what? Yes, girl, this isn't about you. Okay, it isn't. Now, while the Kathy and Aspen stuff was going around, when it started hitting the press, there were many stories, there were many rumors. I know I personally heard that Kathy used the F slur and the and said the N-word and you know was really awful during this rant. That's what I heard. Now I don't know if that's true. Something tells me, like, I hate to say it, but I would I could see Kathy Hillen saying the F slur. I really could. I mean, she does have a daughter that said that gay guys are the most horniest people in the world and they're disgusting and they probably all have AIDS and you know. You Oh, we, you all forgot that because I didn't. I sure didn't. Look it up on YouTube. It's a news report from HLN where Paris Hilton said that. we. I don't forget things over here. So I believe Kathy would say those things. But we don't know if that's true or not. They talk about how Kathy pretty much got in a tirade because she asked the DJ if they could play Beat It or Billie Jean. It was Billie Jean. Apparently she asked the DJ if she could play or if they could play Billie Jean by Michael Jackson and apparently they wouldn't do it and I guess that's the like sole cause of her breakdown is that they wouldn't play Michael Jackson. Um, okay, sure. I know that they were at a members only club so I know that mics and cameras weren't allowed when all this was happening but we know that when they left on the Sprinter van, Renna and Kathy, there were cameras, at least cameras, in the Sprinter van. And you mean to tell me that they weren't on? I do believe that some of this footage has been scrubbed. I really do. It's been erased. It's locked up in the Bravo vault right next to, you know, being Bobby Brown. We'll never see that footage. We will never see that footage ever. So, Renna joins the rest of the girls at the Pretty Mess Hair event. And and Rena starts going into detail about everything that's happened. Apparently she says that um, Kathy called Dorit a stupid, useless idiot. <laughs> oh, I, I feel bad for laughing, I really do. And I even said on my Twitter, I was like, maybe Kathy was right about Dorit. I, I know that's mean, I know that's mean, but I mean, useless, useless on the show. I agree. And Kathy was talking about how she has so many deals with NBC and, you know, no one's going to take her off and all that. I'm like, what deals does she have with NBC? Paris and Love? I don't know anybody that was watching that show. It was on Peacock and then they aired the episodes on E. No one was watching that show. I watched the first two episodes and then I clocked out. I was like, 
there's only so much Parasolin I could take, and this isn't 2005 anymore, so... So, the rest of this episode really is about Kyle, Kathy, and Renna. But before we get into that conversation, I'm going to go ahead and cover Sutton and Erica's lunch. So, Sutton puts together this fancy dinner with this fancy silverware and fancy china, you know, and all this for Popeyes. I think that's so hilarious. For Popeyes. Popeyes chicken. She puts fries in this fancy bowl. Oh, please. And she invites Erica over to her house. And Sutton, I will give Sutton this. She's much better at explaining what she wants from Erica. And what she wants is for her, for Erica to not lash out at these women. She realizes that Erica's trigger word is victim. Because according to Erica, it implies that she took part in this and that she did something to these people. And... You know, I feel mixed about this. A part of me likes that Sutton and Erica are friends or, you know, are trying to be friendly towards each other. I do like that. However, Sutton, after how she treated you two weeks ago, because by the way, by the time that they have this lunch, it had been two weeks since Aspen, two weeks since she doubled down on calling her a C-U-N-T, Okay. All I'm saying is Sutton is much better than me because if it was me, I wouldn't even try. I would be cordial with Erica. I'd be like, hi and bye. You know what I mean? So part of me is happy that they're getting along and they're being friendly toward each other. But then another part of me is like, says Sutton, when this happens again, when this eventually happens again, and when she completely reads you at the reunion, because I'm pretty sure that they'll probably get into it at the reunion. I will not feel sorry for you. I I won't. Okay, I take that back. I will because I am a slut. I'm a slut for sudden. But you know, but you're asking for it at this point. When people know that they can walk over you, they will trample over you. They will run over you. They will, they'll flatten you out. When people know that they can take advantage of you, do they really think that it's going to stop? Be real, Sutton. Be real. That's how I feel about that. Um, so the rest of the episode is the whole Kathy, Kyle, and Renna sit down. So Kathy goes over to Kyle's house. (laughs) Kathy picks out these flowers that are already planted on Kyle's property and gives them to her, I guess in a way to have a funny bit because for the rest of this episode, she's going to look questionable. Like, what really happened, Kathy? So, you know, I know, you know, Kathy's a smart woman. Kathy knows that she's probably going to look horrible. So she's trying to be funny and trying to, you know, dwelling into that dumb, quirky character that we saw last year so she can hide what she really did. Which, by the way, Kathy pretty much owns up to saying that, yeah, I said some pretty awful things about Kyle. And I might have said some pretty awful things about some of these other women. But she says that it was a lot for her. She was in Aspen. You know, she tells Kyle that the jokes that Kyle was making about Kathy's shoes where, you know, the shoes that she wore at the airport, you know, she wore her slippers. You know, she felt like Kyle was kind of taking jabs and making jokes at her expense. And then Kyle's like, well, I don't think she was really offended by that. Which a part of me agrees. I don't think that that was really what set Kathy off. It might have made her feel like, oh, why are you doing this in front of all of these women? You know? But then again, that's what siblings do. That's what sisters do. You know, we, we, which a part of me agrees. I don't think that that was really what set Kathy off. 
It might have made her feel like, oh, why are you doing this in front of all of these women? You know? But then again, that's what siblings do. That's what sisters do. You know, we, we, we take jabs and, you know, we make, we make jokes at our brothers and our sisters. I know I do it with my sister. I know my sister does it with me. You know, like, that's just being siblings, okay? So I didn't really, like, pay attention to that aspect of the conversation. But with this scene, we see more and we get more of the dynamic between Kathy and Kyle. And Kyle's pretty much over the fact that, you know, when Kathy does call her or when Kathy is in contact with Kyle, it's always about her ranting. Kathy ranting about something. She's frustrated by something, so she calls Kyle. And Kyle's frustrated because it's like, you never tell me, hey, how are you doing? How's the shoot going? How's the movie going? How's your life going? And then Kathy's like, oh, well, I don't feel like you have enough time for me, your sister. And then Kyle's like, yeah, because, you know, I have a husband and four kids. And, you know, isn't Kathy the oldest? Yeah, I think Kathy's the oldest. Like, why? Like, it's it's such a weird dynamic between the between those sisters. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But, you know, they have the conversation And it seems to be going well. It seems that they're talking. I don't necessarily think that they're like automatically getting along. You know, like they're just going to sweep it under the rug. But at least they're talking about what happened in Aspen. And how Kyle was very upset at the things that she said. That Kathy said about about her and to her. And then Kyle brings up the fact that, you know, Rena is still upset. And that Rena will be coming over if you want to talk to her. And Kathy's like, sure, I'll talk to Rena. So Rena comes over and Kathy yet again starts up this bit talking in a, you know, country accent. Hi, partner, I came here to apologize. You know, something like that. I was like, okay, Kathy, I see you. I see you. I see you. And Rena, as per usual, you know, you know, she said it herself. Rena feels like she's going backwards and she's talking to Kim with, you know, the issues that she had with Kim and all the things that happened between her and Kim. And she feels like, Kathy is just Kim 2.0. And my thing is, Rena, for you to sit here and say that, oh, what happened was very triggering and it was very traumatic. How do you think Kim felt when you lunged a glass at her and tried to choke her? How do you think she felt? You mean, to, and she's talking about, I've never seen a meltdown of a... Girl, you have. You have done this. You have probably done worse. Hello? You have probably done worse, Rena. And Rena wants to sit here and try to gaslight Kathy. Like, oh, you need help, Kathy. You need help. And Kathy's like, girl, you've said some mean things too. And then Rena's like, oh, you want to go there? You can see that Rena took this whole Kathy and Aspen situation and tried to make it into her own storyline. Because if you think about it, ever since Lisa Rena has been on this show, she's never had a storyline of her own. And we don't really know much about her personally. We know that she loves her husband. Well, um, don't all housewives love their husband? Or aren't all wives supposed to love their husband? Isn't that what you would hope? Is that you love your husband? Okay. Your children act like spoiled teens sometimes. You know, when the children were still teenagers. Yeah, that's how teenagers act. Okay, what, what else? I mean, if you notice, they don't even film in her house that much. Like, Rina has provided nothing of herself. She makes everyone's problems her storyline. Kim's alcoholism. The Yolanda Munchausen syndrome. You know, that one scene where she was accusing Dorit of 
doing coke in her bathroom. The Denise situation. Those are her storylines. Notice how I never said, oh, what's going on in her life? Other than she has a husband and kids. Okay. A lot of housewives have husbands and kids, but they have their own storyline as well. I feel like Rena took this opportunity and was like, you know what? I have myself a storyline this season because I realized that I haven't been bringing it so much these past couple of seasons ever since Denise left. So I have to try to, you know, come up with something real quick. And Rena, you look pathetic and stupid. And Kathy, don't take this as me being on your side either. Because I don't, I know Kathy said herself that she said those awful things about Kyle. I don't think she really ever admitted to saying awful things about the other ladies. She may have. I'm sure she ha- I'm sure she did because she was angry and she wanted to just lash out. And you know how when you're angry and you lash out and you say things that you really don't mean? I get that. We've all done that before. We have all done that before. Do I think Kathy's innocent? Absolutely not. Do I think Rena is being over the top and exaggerative? Absolutely. Rena is the same woman that lies about Harry being upset about Garcelle not saying thank you for that stupid sauce that he made. And then Rena was like, oh, I made that up. Girl, if you could make up something about that, about some stupid sauce, do you really think that we wouldn't believe that you'd make something up about what happened in Aspen? Again, let's be real. Now, I talked about getting to this point about, you know, which housewife I believe gets cut out of every episode. And I would have to say that it's Crystal. It kind of bothers me that a lot of the deleted scenes that we have seen from this season of Beverly Hills, most of them are about Crystal. Most of them have Crystal in them. Talking about situations that are relevant to what's going on. An example of this is when Crystal talked about how she watched the Hulu documentary about Erica Jane. Which this is before, you know, the earring situation popped up. Which I feel like they should have included that because without that scene, it just made it look like, oh, Crystal sees this article, so now she's going after Erica for no reason. Even though she has thought about the things that have came out about Erica. She has thought about them. Like, why would they remove that scene? And then in, you know, last week's episode, they remove a scene about how Garcelle, Sutton, and Crystal all believe that there's double standards in the group. When Kyle and Erica get into it, when they got into it, they ended it quickly. When Kyle and Dorit got into it, they ended it quickly. Sutton and Erica, two-season feud. Garcelle and Erica, still going on. Crystal and Erica, they never got an apology. There was never an apology exchange, anything like that. And Crystal believes that there's a double standard. Why was that scene cut out? You know, a lot of people are saying that Crystal's been boring this season or that she hasn't been bringing it this season. I actually like Crystal because not every housewife has to be, you know, in drama and, and, you know, in chaos for them to be a good housewife. You know, to be the youngest of the group, Crystal's kind of like the voice of reason in this group when she decides to use her voice. And that's my only criticism about Crystal is that I wish she would use it more. But yet again, she probably has used it more, but Bravo just cuts it out. But yet again, we can get a scene where Diana is having a FaceTime call with Sir Elton John. This happened in this week's episode while they were at the Pretty Mess Hair event. Diana gets a call from Sir Elton John. Okay, the Elton John gets a FaceTime call with the Elton John and still manages to make it a boring scene. How? How 
do you manage to make a scene with you talking to Sir Elton John boring? How? But yet we see that, but we don't see any of Crystal's scenes. They do Crystal so dirty. And I swear, if they demote Crystal next season, I'm going to be so pissed off. Especially when there's people like Dorit who don't do anything on this damn show. And, you know, who's useless. Yeah, Kathy said it. Useless. And I'm going to say it too. Useless. Next week, like I said, is the season finale. Hallelujah, as Shangela would say. Dynamics are looking like they're going to shift. Now Erica and Rena are going to go after Kyle for her sister's behavior. And hopefully Kyle stands up to him. She probably won't because, you know... As we know, Kyle, I don't think, is close with Kathy right now. So, of course, you're going to take their side, Kyle. Of course. You're going to let your friend, Rena, gaslight Kathy. And for and let me just get on that before we move on from Beverly Hills. The fact that Rena was really sitting here gaslighting Kathy. This isn't a soap opera. This isn't Days of Our Lives. You know, go back over there. Rena, the actress, came back out. In this week's episode and guess what say what you want about reality shows like oh it's completely produced it's completely scripted whatever okay we can have that conversation but Rena has never came across as authentic to me never has and never will and we'll see how this concludes next week last and certainly not least we have to talk about the season three premiere of Salt Lake City after the second half of last season, I will say that I wasn't really excited for Salt Lake City. I know, I know. Some people liked last season. I, I, after the Shaw rest, everything was a snooze fest. Except for the hot mic moment. Everything was a, was a snooze fest. I didn't even watch the reunion last season. I literally watched the reunion for last season. You know how... Bravo will have a marathon of the last season before new season premieres. I literally watched the reunion of last season last night when Salt Lake City, when the season three premiered because I was just so bored and disinterested because again, they saw Homeland Security and the FBI looked for Jen Shaw, but yet they made the second half of the season about whether Meredith's father's memorial was on a Monday or a Tuesday. Really? Anyways, let's not talk about last season, although we will talk about last season because it keeps being brought up throughout this episode. So the episode opens in probably the most dramatic way in Housewives history. They show clips of the women's first interviews when they first came on the show. And Jen was talking about how she makes millions of dollars and that she's been in marketing for 20 years and, you know, she's getting money and, you know, and it shows that, you know, all these women were getting along and they liked each other. And then it flashes forward to this season where all of them hate each other. Now, I will say I was nervous when I found out that there would only be five housewives on Salt Lake City this season. Because I feel like with the same problem as having eight housewives, having too little of housewives means that these women need to contribute a lot more. They need to really bring it because there's no, there's no room for filler. When there's eight housewives, yeah, there's room for filler. There's room for some housewives to take a break from an episode and not, you know, do anything. When you have five housewives, you can't really do that. You can't really do that. And I will say that I feel like all of the women contributed last night for the season premiere. And I'm happy about that because I was nervous that, you know, 
we would have some difficulty for people not contributing, but all of them clocked in, all of them were working. So the episode starts with um, Lisa going to lunch with Heather, of all people, who would have thought that, and Jen and Meredith going to this place with a hot tub. Who would have thought that? Jen and Meredith together. And in their separate places, Lisa and Heather talk about the hot mic moment. And Meredith and Jen talk about how Meredith feels about Lisa and her comments that she made. Her and her dumb effing family that poses. She slept with half of New York. Her husband changes jobs every five minutes, you know, or every five months or something like that, you know. By the way, bravo. Producers who edit Salt Lake City, if you all do not stop showing that damn hot mic moment every five seconds, every five seconds, it's like, we get it. We were there. We saw it. They kept replaying it throughout the entire episode. I'm like, okay, I get it. And I knew, obviously, I knew that I was going to be brought up because because of that moment, Meredith and Lisa are not on good terms. So I knew it was going to be brought up. I didn't know it was going to be brought up every five damn seconds. We were there. I, I was there. I saw it. I was shocked. Jen in her confessional was like, if I was Meredith, I would monetize that. I would have garbage, trash, whore t-shirts. You know, of course, this coming from the woman who made free Jen Shaw shirts, that's, uh, of course, you would monetize it because you need the money for your trial and your court fees and all that. That's neither here nor there. So we go back and forth between Lisa and Heather's conversation and Jen and Meredith. And Lisa wanted to invite Heather so she could get advice on how to move forward with Meredith. She says that, you know, the hot mic moment was said out of hurt. She was in pain. She didn't really mean what she said. And Heather was like, well, I believe that's how you feel about Lisa or that's how you feel about Meredith. And Lisa was like, no, I don't feel this way about Meredith. I just said it out of hurt. You know, I said it out of anger. You know, I was, I was upset. Whether you believe that or not, that's up to you. So we have those conversations going on. We end that scene. The next scene, we see Whitney at her house. And <laughs> her daughter is making a list of pros and cons about men. Which, honestly, same. I bet you there were a thousand cons and one pro because that's just how men are. So I thought that was cute. But um, Heather comes over to Whitney's house and Whitney talks about the trauma or opens up about some of the trauma that she's gone from being a Mormon or being part of the Mormon church. And, and she pretty much tells Heather that she is leaving the Mormon church. And, you know, Heather being an ex-Mormon herself is supportive. And there apparently there's this website called quitmormon.com where you can print out a letter <laughs> and saying that you're, you know, you don't want to be a Mormon anymore. But I found it so interesting that Whitney was like, although I will not be a Mormon anymore, the church still tracks you. They still come to visit your house. They still, like, they still know of your presence and they still know of your existence. That sounds like Scientology to me, but that's neither here nor there. I don't want to be killed. I don't want to be targeted. I, 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 that's what, that's what, that's the impression that I got. I was getting Scientology. Now, you know, I'm, when it comes to religion, you can believe whatever you want, as long as you're not hurting anyone, believe whatever you want to believe, okay? But sounds like some dangerous things to me, and that, definitely not a religion that I would want to be a part of. But again, believe what you want to believe, but I, I, 
I certainly wouldn't want to stay in a place where I felt unwelcomed or unwanted or that I felt like was bringing me so much hurt and pain. So I can actually uh, commend Whitney for taking this big step because it is a huge step. You know, especially if you grew up being Mormon, you know, some a lot of times it's the only thing that you know. And then you realize, oh, there's a life and a world outside of this bubble. Again, this is how I imagine it would feel. I've never been in this situation, but you know, that's how I would imagine it would feel when you see a life in a world and you realize some of the stuff that's happened to me in my life is a direct result of being a part of this environment and I need to get myself out of it. And although I will say I do think Whitney's annoying, or has been annoying in the past. And I did say a couple of episodes ago that I would give Whitney a chance. And so far from last night's episode, I really like Whitney. I do. I didn't think I would. I think she would annoy me. She probably, I will probably live to regret this. You know, regret saying this. But she actually wasn't annoying. I actually committed her. I thought it was great. And I, it was nice that Heather was there to be supportive. And it makes me wonder, because, you know, apparently Heather and Whitney aren't talking anymore. So it makes me like, like, what happened? It makes you wonder what happened because they were close. Aren't they like cousins? Like, it's, it's crazy. So we have that scene. The next scene is Jen and her husband. Jen wants to plan a birthday party for Coach. And I find it funny that all of them call him Coach. Like, Coach Shaw. Like, even her, she says, we're going to throw a birthday party for Coach. That Like, that's just his first name is Coach. I love that. Jen talks about how she had to downsize. She was living at a 9,000 square foot house and now she lives in a 4,500 square feet house. I'm like Kenya, you know, playing the world's smallest violin because, oh, boo-hoo. Oh, I live in a 4,500 square foot house. Girl, if you don't shut up, like, <laughs> you expect me to feel sorry for you. You expect me to feel bad for you, especially after what you've done. And now that we know that she's pled guilty and now that we know that, you know, she is going to prison. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to be nice to Jen. Nope. And I know that there's this debate on why are we so hard about Erica, but we're not this hard about Jen, which I I agree with that. I agree. We should be hard on Jen because she's actually charged and pled guilty to it. And Erica's actually her lawsuits are actually getting dismissed and dropped left and right. I've noticed. I think the real reason why that is, is because despite Jen and her breakdowns and, you know, the stuff that she does, Jen often appears more likable. But also it's because these other women don't question Jen. A lot of them don't. When the Shah arrest happened, yeah, they questioned her a little bit, but they didn't do what Sutton did. You know, when they all had a meeting without Erica and talked about her. So, you know, for Jen, it worked out for her. Oh, since no one's asking questions, why, do, why, should, why am I going to talk? And I would feel that same way too. If no one's asking me questions about me being charged with this, I'm surely not going to bring it up. And maybe that's why she hasn't gotten as much backlash. It's because no one's brought it up. So if no one brings it up, why talk about it? Why would you want to talk about it? It's certainly not something you'd want to brag about. But you know, when she was talking about downsizing, I was like, girl, okay. Aw, like, what do you want me to say? Aw, like... Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the elderly people that you scammed had to downsize to living under a bridge, okay? You, don't go there with me, honey. Anyways, Jen is talking about how she's going to throw a birthday party for a coach. 
at her friend Angie's house. Angie's one of the new friend devs that we're going to meet this season. And I love how Jen was like, you know, it sucks that I'm not going to be able to control this party because I'm not going to have this party at my house because of, you know, the downsizing. But she says, you know, we have to save every penny, you know, for the legal fees and for the trial. And then when they show up to the birthday party, she's like dressed so well and so like that you knew that dress had to cost something. And again, I didn't expect her to show up in like just a t-shirt and a pair of jeans. But you know what I mean? Like, and Jen's talking about, oh, I know how to shop in a budget. Okay, girl, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. So the rest of the episode takes place at the birthday party at Angie's house for Coach. And the theme is Harlem Nights because that's one of um, Coach's favorite movies. So they're all dressed up like characters and, you know, the theme. And all of the women are invited, by the way, all the women. See, we love that even though there's tension and even though there's drama, I love it that all the women were invited because we all have to contribute. Like I said, all the women have to contribute this season. So I'm I'm glad that all of them were invited. So, oh, before, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot this. Before we get to the party, there's a scene with Meredith and her husband, Seth. And, you know, they make a joke about the hot mic moment again and they show it again. How, you know, he loses a job every so often. <laughs> Funny. Meredith makes the accusation that Lisa sleeps with men for money for her company because one of her companies is bankrupt, allegedly. Or, you know, they have, they experienced a loss of profit. Now, on Watch What Happens Live, Lisa said that this wasn't the Vita Tequila company. This was another company that's, you know, lost profits or, or is in debt or something like that. And you know, Meredith was so happy to bring this up on camera. She was like, yes, I'm, I am I got you, girl. Say what you want, but Meredith is always engaged and always activated. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to mess with Meredith. Sure wouldn't. You know what I did notice about Meredith, though, is, and a lot of people, I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed this. When I was scrolling through Twitter, a lot of people said this. How come Meredith is in a new house every season? Does she own all these houses? Surely not, because apparently they're broke, according to Lisa and her hot mic moment. I swear they referenced that every single five seconds. It was ridiculous. I was like, okay, let's move along. So now we're at the party. I had to mention that part first because of the whole Meredith accusing Lisa of sleeping with men for money, which, you know, isn't like a small accusation. That's like huge. Um, I had to mention that, of course. But now we're back at the party. All the women are there. Lisa's there and she sees Meredith. Meredith is there and she sees Lisa. And they kind of just glance at each other and then look away. It's like, oh, you're here. Oh, let me pretend I didn't just see you. Lisa goes to see Heather and Whitney. They're at a poker table. And uh, I like that they're all three getting along. It's actually refreshing to see all three of them getting along because we certainly didn't see that last season, especially at the reunion. And, you know, Lisa talks about, hey, I saw Meredith but and I really want to talk to her, but I don't think this is the time and place to do it. Which I thought, exactly, Lisa, it is not the time and place to do it. You are exactly right. And while they're at the party, John, which is Lisa's husband, and Seth, which is Meredith's husband, they run into each other, they talk, and they say, you know, we're not responsible for our wives' actions. And just because our wives aren't getting along doesn't mean that we can't get along and we can't be cordial. You know, we love that. We love a man who stays out of women's business, Peter or Patricia, Joey Gorga, take notes. 
After that scene, everyone gathers around Coach and Jen, and Jen gives a speech about wanting to celebrate Coach's birthday, and she somehow makes the speech about herself and how everyone's been there for her and how it's been difficult. Like, I can't, I can't feel sorry for Jen. I'm sorry. She put herself in that situation. She knew what she was doing. I, I can't, I can't sit here and, like, try to rationalize and feel sorry for her. I just can't. And so, you know, they pretty much thank everyone for being there for them during this difficult time. They have the cake. They dance. They have a good time. Lisa sees Meredith and acknowledges her and says, hey, they give each other a hug. That's great. Then Lisa sees Seth. And Lisa and Seth catch up and then Seth was like, yeah, I was pretty hurt about what she said about me and what she said about Meredith. And then they start getting into it and not by getting into it, like fighting, but you know, they start talking about it. And I thought, Lisa, shut your mouth, shut your mouth. You are making it worse than what it already is. Shut your mouth. You just said to Heather and Whitney that you are not going to bring it up, that you didn't think it was the right place for time. And I agree. This is not the right place in time. This is Coach's birthday. You know, Coach's birthday is already scarred because of what happened in the first season. Remember when Jen threw a birthday party for Coach and Jen was like, I what? Stop talking about Mary. And she threw the glass down. You know, she had a full breakdown while dressed as Beyonce. So funny. Like, Lisa, you just said that you weren't going to talk about it. And then they start getting into it. And then Meredith is like, I'm not going to hear about, I'm not here about my, I can't do her voice. But you know, she has a distinctive voice and so does Lisa. You know, Lisa and Meredith have those vocal fry, especially Lisa. I love that. That's what I'm going to miss about, the, the, the only thing that I miss about Jenny being on the show is the way Lisa said, Jenny, like, I hate those voices, but I love those voices at the same time because they're just so funny. But um, Meredith is talking to Jen or somebody who's like, I'm not going to have her attack my husband. It's like, Meredith, girl, I wish Lisa would shut up too, but Lisa isn't attacking her husband. They're just actually having conversation. And Seth was just being like, hey, I'm upset about what she said about Meredith. And Meredith is pretty upset with you. And you should know that. And Lisa starts breaking down is like, you know, I, I, I didn't mean it truthfully. That's not how I really mean, you know. You know, I love Meredith and I've always been a good, you know. It's like, okay, girl. You're causing a scene. Stream Deep Space by Candace. I'm a cause a scene, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, I had to fit that in there. But it's like, Lisa, girl, shut up. And then, you know, Lisa leaves the party. And then we're all just left with what just happened. Overall, I will say... Like I said, I had very low expectations of Salt Lake City, but I will say this was a great season premiere. I did like it. And if they can contribute the same way that they did this episode, every woman had something to do this episode, okay? If we could have that consistency throughout the entire season, this will be a really good season. And we need a strong season. And I know people argue that Salt Lake City has always been strong. I would disagree with that, but that's... Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, even if it's wrong. Just kidding. But, you know, I would like to see a strong season. Let's not build up, have one big moment in the middle of the season, and then go back down. That can't work. We can't have that again. Because that was stupid and ridiculous. I'm sorry. I think that about covers everything on Salt Lake City. I'm excited about this season. I really am. I wasn't at first, but I am now. I think that's everything. This is a jam-packed episode. 
Next week's episode is going to be a little lighter because I'm only going to be talking about Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City. Unless something crazy happens in the housewives realm, which you never know. But the week after next week's episode of The Row Pod, we're finally going to be covering Potomac. Oh, I'm so excited about Potomac. I love Potomac. I think it's becoming the new standard. It's becoming the new standout. I love Potomac. I can't wait for it. And what I love about Potomac is we don't know much about what's going on. I feel like with, you know, the situations that happened with Salt Lake City and Beverly Hills, you know, these are legal situations that we hear about and read about in the news. And so we know about what's going on, but we don't know much about what's going to happen in Potomac. And I like that. I miss that, that mysteriousness, you know, that, that feeling of not knowing what I'm getting myself into. And I can't wait to dive in. Oh gosh, I'm excited. Every time I see the promo for Potomac with all the women in red, oh, I queen out. I do. I do. Those are my girls. Those are my women. But we have to wait another week, another two weeks. Thank you guys so much for listening. We've gained so many listeners, so many listens, and that means a lot to me. I'm glad that you guys are liking this show or liking this podcast. I try to make it funny. I try to make it entertaining. I try to not make it so annoying and boring and just another commentary. You know, I I try to spice it up a little. Hopefully it's working. Don't forget to rate this podcast five stars. Follow it. Subscribe to it. Follow me on Twitter. I live tweet the episodes at Row Podcast. That's R-H-O Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram there as well. I don't really post that much on Instagram. That's kind of just there as just so I could take the handle. But I post updates about when I post the podcast episodes. And I believe that's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Row Pod, a Real Housewives recap. I will talk to you all next Friday. Thank you for listening to The Row Pod, a Real Housewives recap.